what is up everybody uh thanks for tuning in we have the great andy herman but uh be, before we talk to him uh big shout out to quick trip uh sponsor of the show best gas station in the world uh but but i i want to get right to you andy first of all how how have you been hey i'm great man thanks so much for having me i always love talking with you it's always a ton of fun so i expect i, I have high expectations today um i think this is gonna be awesome yeah, I think this is one of the rare times that I've talked to that I haven't been drinking. I did a little. You need I, to fix I, that. I went. I, I had Peter Bukowski on last night. I went a little hard in the pain after that one. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on vacation, so uh, uh, nice. I, I, today I did pretty much nothing. I watched a lot of Friends, but <laughs> that works. People always make fun of me for that. Anyways, a lot going on in in uh, in our uh, Packerland. I, I think this is a really good day to have you on because a lot obviously happened today or didn't happen. So jumping right into it, like what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers not showing up? And like, are you surprised at all? No, not surprised. I think at least over the last few weeks, it seemed like the writing was on the wall a little bit. And this was kind of the expectation that he wasn't going to be there. You never know. So, you know, I think a few days ago, maybe you left open the possibility, but when the last couple of days, there was no sign of him reporting or anything changing. I don't think this is surprising at all. I think ultimately as we get closer to training camp, that's when the pressure heats up a little bit, right? So if you're Aaron Rodgers and you want to play this season and you don't want to play in green Bay, and I'm not saying unequivocally that that's what's happening, but if that is what's happening, you want to play somewhere else. Well, you need to force something right around training camp so that you can get to another team and say, Hey, I, you know, I need to learn a playbook and get to new, new, no new teammates and everything like that. So if he legitimately wants out, which again, I'm not saying he does, but if he does, he has to do something so that he can get to that other team in time and actually learn everything. So, and on the flip side, if you're green Bay, you know, if we think this is a story right now, which it is, obviously it's a major story. It only starts heating up if he's not there at training camp and it starts to get, you know, it starts to really pile on top of that. We already saw, um, you know, some quotes today from a player that, um, you know, from, um, why can't I think of his name? Uh, it doesn't matter. Either way, there's a quote out there that said like one player was already like, Hey, we, enough is enough. We need to get this going either you're with us or you're not with us. Um, you know, so I, I just think if you go into training camp and he's not there, like you just start this undercurrent of, uh, negativity and a bunch of questions. And I just, I think from both sides, as we get closer to training camp, um, that's when it's going to really kind of heat up. Ty Dunn, Ty Dunn was the yeah, I, I think I saw that tweet. It was like a uh, anonymous, anonymous, I can't say that word, but <laughs> an unnamed player. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've been saying it cause like I'm, I'm extremely biased. So like, I, I just like, uh, <laughs> I, I just troll people on Facebook and stuff, but I, I'm very like positive. Like he's going to come back. I wasn't really surprised he didn't show up uh, today. I think a lot of people, you know, were saying that he wasn't going to. I think training camp he will. I, I saw a video of James Jones was saying, like, it's not about getting the GM fired. It's not about all the things people are talking about. And in your opinion, like, what is it about? Like, to, to me, it, he just wants, which I think everyone's been saying, he wants long-term commitment. He doesn't want to play this season and get traded. That. That's not what James Jones said, but I, I think that's what it is. So to me, there's usually two reasons for breakdowns, in it, whether it's a personal relationship, whether it's a business relationship, communication, or respect. One of those two things has usually gone wrong. So either there was a lack of communication and things just fell apart. And maybe it started simple 
and then it got exponentially worse over the time. But I think when you have a lack of communication, things can break down or, or, and um, respect whether he felt fully respected for his efforts and everything that he has done for the franchise that they were giving him the level of respect that he felt like he needed and deserved for his status and stature within the team, within the league, and as a superstar within all of sports, not just within football. And again, I don't want to put words in Aaron Rodgers' mouth. I don't know exactly what he's thinking. Everyone is just conjecture for the most part at this point. I know there's a few people with sources out there, obviously, but I am not one of them. So um, this is trying to read the tea leaves and kind of figure it out. But 99% of the time when there's an issue, it's either you so, you know, due to communicate lack of communication or lack of respect. And I think when you start putting the pieces together, it seems pretty clear that when Jordan Love was selected, he was not even involved in that conversation, that they did not alert him, that that could necessarily be something that would take place. Um, I think those things are problematic if that is in fact the case. And Brian Gutekunst has even said when I asked him if there's anything he could do differently looking back at last year's draft, he said he they wish they would have communicated better. So I think to me that is a telltale sign that this was not communicated well with Aaron Rodgers. I think Again, the, the Jay Kumaro thing sounds so ridiculous and stupid on the surface, but if you go out of your way to praise a receiver, say he's playing great and think that he can make an impact on the team, and then if, if in fact the team doesn't communicate with you that, hey, we're going to we're gonna release this guy, I know you really like him, or you know even at least converse with them to say, hey, we're thinking of releasing him, um, we know you think strongly of him, you know, we should talk about this. You know, if those things aren't happening, I think that's how you get this level of breakdown. And I think if, if Rodgers feels like he was slighted, Listen, Packers and Packer fans have watched him be slighted before and have used that as his motivation and have benefited off of him being upset about those things. You don't want to get on the other side of that. If he feels slighted and he feels like you've done him wrong, you know, he's going to hold that against you as well. So it feels like maybe this is the time where Green Bay didn't play their cards exactly right. And again, I, what I want to very clearly state here, Matt, is Ever, this is a very divisive topic, right? It, it's almost to the point of a political conversation where there's black and there's white and everyone is dug in and it's black and white. There is, like everything else, a million shades of gray with this. And I can fully understand what Green Bay and Brian Gutekunst were trying to do in this situation. I can a million percent understand how Aaron Rodgers would potentially feel in this situation. I think there were probably missteps on both sides. And I think there were probably things said and done on both sides that probably both sides maybe either regret or wish they could have done differently. Um, and I think there's just gray area here. And I think until their time goes on and both of those sides get resolved and things hopefully get better, I think right now the, the only thing that's going to work is hopefully time. Yeah, I, I like yeah. It, it it is like so de like divisive. Like I, on all my social medias, I I see like Packer fans who are, you know, let's just move on. But I, the, the, the thing with me is like the people who are like over Aaron, you know, like they're they're saying they're over. I don't think they're over. They're overhearing about the story, and that's yeah. not really Aaron Rodgers or the Packers. Like people people are gonna talk about it. Like you you are a podcaster. You do all these things. It's what everyone like needs to talk about. Everyone wants to talk about. It's a huge story, but like. As far as like th them releasing wide receivers and not talking to them, I, I kind of agree. Like they, I think that they should talk to them a little bit. I think any coach should talk to quarterbacks, like even in like training camp and say, uh, what guys do you like? You know, like the, the guys that aren't big names, like, do you like what they're doing? Whatever. I mean, obviously the coaches are watching, but you would think there'd be some communication there about the weapons for the wide receiver for the quarterback. And here's the thing, right? So, and this is why it's so hard. And this is why, 
you won't find me for a variety of reasons, but this is the main one taking aside and saying this person's wrong or this person's wrong is because yeah. we don't know it from the sounds of it. Brian Gutekunst had an open door policy and was very open to this. We know that the Packers have a leadership panel to discuss certain issues and topics within the team. And, and those are sort of things that are happening. So how vocal was Aaron Rodgers? How often was he, you know, walking to Brian Gutekunst's office and sharing ideas that he had? You know, if, if the GM and, and the team has an open door policy and says, hey, we want to hear these things and we want to hear these ideas and we want to talk to you and they're not being told those things. Well, it's a two way street. So, yeah, yeah. again, I, I'm not absolving anyone of blame and I'm not saying that anyone's, you know, to blame either. Like, I, I just think that as fans, we know bits and pieces of little things here and there. And it's really easy to grasp onto one of those and say the other side's evil and the other side's wrong. And more often than not, again, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I, I, I've been saying that too. The whole time is like, I, I'm not mad at the Packers. First of all, I, I don't know any of the details. Like I didn't know, like, you know, everyone's reporting or whatever. But yeah. I, I, I don't think that you can pick a side in this because like people were saying, well, you know, people are saying, you know, silly things about Rogers. Uh, but I, I, I do think it's split. But yeah, I don't think that you can blame one side or the other because, uh, like they say, we, we don't know. But anyways, I, I want to move on from that a little bit because you're at, you know, there, there's a lot of other players on the team. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. And uh, so, like, at, at camp, I know that you're you're there, right? I saw you, uh, yeah. tweet, you know, tweeting some pictures and all that. So what do you see? Like, who's the guy that stands out that is uh, – like looking good or like any storylines from, uh, from camp that you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, so and I was, I was on with Perry and um, Maggie just a little bit on uh, Pax, which she said live as well. And I, I kind of want to preface this by just kind of going over what practice actually looks like on these days. So very similar to the OTAs, you start off with just kind of like rotating like ball security and like random like special teams type drills and there's not a ton going on and then every group kind of separates off into their own position groups and then you've got just kind of some individual drill work where they're working on again fundamentals of their specific position with their specific coaches then you usually have maybe some form of like special teams drill or maybe you know a couple other things going on then you have like a i don't know maybe 10 15 minute team drill where there's actually going, you know, 11 on 11s and things like that, and where you can actually glean some stuff. And that's where you see all the reporters tweeting out who's at what position, who's on the offensive line, who's lined up on defense. And you can actually see some, um, some plays and who's doing well. So you get like 15 minutes of that. And then you, you know, they go do something else and then they split off into teams again, but it's just a walkthrough like snail's pace version. So you can't glean a ton off of that. So there's like a 10, 15 minute period where you can kind of really start learning some of the stuff. Um, I think the big takeaway, and if you really watched closely to what everyone was kind of reporting today, it was that, you know, Jordan Love, for the most part, struggled at practice today. And most people were rightfully soft and nice about it. Like, the first thing I want to say, Matt, here is we it's really, really tough to gauge in practice if somebody's doing well or not, because we don't know what they're trained at that moment to try to practice. For example, there could legitimately be a situation where the coaches say, Hey, Jordan, we don't want you throwing the ball downfield. We want you to show that you can go one, two, three through your progressions and then just check it down at the end. Right. Yeah. There could legitimately be something where they saying, we're not asking you to push the ball downfield. We want to see you, how you go through your progression, footwork looks like that. 
If that's what Jordan Love is trying to accomplish, to all of us on the sidelines, it's going to look dumb and it's going to look stupid. And it's because we're saying, like, why isn't he throwing the ball down the field? Where's the, you know, those sort of things? If he's focused on something else, or even if he's focused and being super intense on just his footwork, you focus on your footwork and then you're a quarter second late to your first read. And then you kind of stay there a second longer. And then you're a half second late to your second. And then the third's totally gone. Then you're going to panic check down at the end. When you're thinking about those sort of things, if you're a quarter second off, everything is out of whack. So to the naked eye, to those of us on the sidelines, it might look like an unmitigated disaster, but it might just be literally like we need to tweak one thing with timing and we're good to go. Or they might be focusing on something else, but through three practices now, two OTA practices and a mini camp now that we're open to the media, I can't tell you that I've seen one throw that I can cling on to and say, wow, that was awesome. Like that was that, okay, we're cooking. We're, we've got something here. Like there's not one where it's like five step drop, read, second read, bullet pass, nice completion, throwing something open, gorgeous ball downfield. There's not one in three practices. There's definitely been some inaccurate throws, ton of check downs, ton of quick stuff. So again, I want to preface it by saying it's a mini camp. He's very, very raw. We can see the talent when he's going through individual drills, which he looks much better at this year than he did a season ago. But there is a long way to go for Jordan Love based on what we've seen the three practices now so far this year. Yeah, my thing like like today, like like reading all those reports, people are saying that he was struggling today. I can't imagine the pressure that he's under. I'm sure. And everybody, I mean, he's a professional, so you know he's he's going to be held you know to a standard or whatever. But I can't imagine the pressure, like knowing just everyone's watching you. And I, I think he's probably more professional than, than like I, you know, like sometimes like, uh, you know, I, I've been on a situation where more people watch me normal. I get nervous. I get nervous just talking to you. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no, but like, I, I, I get that. There's a lot of nervous. To it. I, it, it just practice. Like you said, we don't know. Like I always say that during a game because there's guys like you who are smart and kind of know what people are supposed to be doing like on the field. But there's a lot of times like a, a, a receiver will run a route and guys will trash him. Like, why didn't he go deep? But, like, if that was his, what he was supposed to be doing, just, and not everyone realizes that. It's, at, at practice, it, it's even worse than that because, like yeah. you said, nobody knows, like, what they're working on, what they're told to do. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't take too much into into practice. But so, like, do you think that if, if Rodgers would not be available this season, would they go maybe with uh, Blake Bortles instead of, of Jordan if they don't think he's ready? That's a really interesting question. So – if I had to say over two practices, who looks better, right? Well, first of all, it's not like either of them look amazing, but I would say probably Mortals looks a little bit better, just a little bit more confident playing within the confines of an NFL system. Um, the optics are really bad. If you drafted Jordan Love as you know the, the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers says, screw you guys. And then you start Blake Bortles over Jordan Love and Jordan Love's not ready to play. And I get that he was a project quarterback and everything like that, but um, it's still not great optics. But my biggest thing here would be this. If Aaron Rodgers, in fact, would retire or get traded back, back in return or something like that, no matter what, if he's gone, the number one thing for this franchise moving forward is that Jordan Love is good, like period. And if that means that he needs to get the reps and start on day one, then get him the reps and start on day one. If he's not ready and you think by playing him day one that he's going to lose confidence and it's going to hurt his development, then by no means do you play him on day one. Brian Gutekunst and the, you know probably Matt LaFleur by 
proxy and the future of this Green Bay Packers at that point, if Rodgers is gone, is predicated, at least the next five years, is predicated upon the success of Jordan Love. So you've got to get that right. So you do whatever you can. And again, if that's starting him, great. If it's not starting him, great. But you have to make sure that he turns out. So whatever you need to do in that situation, you do. And you kind of make your the rest of your decisions based off of that. Yeah, I've always said, too, like if uh, if Rodgers would happen to leave and Jordan Love is good, they're going to look like geniuses. If he's not good, they're going to look like, you know, morons. And it's kind of what I, I actually I think he's going to be there. Like I've been saying, I don't, I don't know, like what your thoughts you I'm so biased. Like I can't even like people comment that to me all the time. So you can't, you know, look without a fan lens. Like, yo, I'm not a reporter. I'm not an analyst. I'm just a fan who, uh, and I, I don't know. I, I actually do think that, that he'll be there. I think when training camp rolls around or whenever it is, he'll be there week one. But I, I want to ask you about, uh, David Bakhtiari. Yeah. Uh, he, he had an injury. I, I see that he's been working out on the side. What can you tell us about him? Yes, I didn't get to see him too much today, but man, when I saw him at OTAs two week or last week, he looked phenomenal. Like you would not know that that guy had a torn ACL in December of last year. And I am certainly not a doctor, and I have no idea when or you know when he's going to be ready or anything like that. But I can't imagine that anyone could be any better looking than what David Bakhtiari looked coming off a torn ACL in December. As we last week, it was June first. I think that we saw him. Um, it was crazy how well he looked. I mean, just, you know, planting, doing um, like grapevine drills, um, you know, getting in and out of cuts, doing medicine ball stuff. Like he just moved like David Bakhtiari. Like if, if you would have told me to do a blind, you know, or I guess not a blind test, but like not knowing what happened over the last seven months and just said, hey, here was David Bakhtiari in November. And now you're watching him in June would have had no idea that anything had happened to him. So um, again, there could be something underlying. He could be in pain. He could be less um, confident, you know, making certain movements based off of it, based off of what happens. We don't know all of that stuff, but um, just seeing him and, and how he was moving. I don't, I think green Bay has to be really excited from what they're seeing so far. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great if they, I like, I, I don't know the length either. Like if, if he, if it, is it possible that he starts week one, is that too soon or is it going to be, like, where is their, like, uh, thinking of when he can start? Yeah, I don't think that, that anyone's putting a timetable on anything yet. I don't think he – I certainly don't think Green Bay would rule him out for week one, again, just based on where he's at right now. My guess is he's not ready to go, like, you know, start a training camp or anything like that. But um, I, I think we'll we'll get a better feel for it towards, you know, middle end of training camp on where he's at and if they think he might be able to give it a go um, around that time. But um, – Again, we'll see, but I, I'm encouraged so far by what I've seen. And even if it's a month, even if it's you know a month and a half or whatever, I mean, obviously a lot depends upon who the quarterback is and stuff like yeah. that. But still, a really good sign that he's in the you know condition that he is right now. So, like uh, out of the rookies, like uh, uh, th- this year's rookies, is there anyone like that that's like standing out? Like, oh, this guy's you know, you know. I mean, I know it's practice; you don't really see too much. But like, is, is there a guy that you, you see that just like look, looks like he's just doing great? Yeah, I haven't seen anything like in any specific play where I'm like, oh, wow, like that's super impressive. Um, you know, obviously Josh Myers has taken just about every single first team rep um, that's been available since he you know started in, in OTAs a couple weeks ago. Every snap that's been available to media with the first team my, that I've seen, Myers has been out there. So it's obviously a really good sign for him. Um, Royce Newman today 
was started off as the second team right tackle, but then did rotate in at right guard with the ones as well. Um, so he's somebody that's getting a look with the, the first team group. Um, Amari Rogers, definitely somebody that's working himself in with the first teamers. And then definitely seems like they're trying to integrate Eric Stokes a little bit as well. So, I mean, really top four draft picks are, are getting looks. Um, do I feel confident enough to say one way or the other, whether they're looking great or struggling? No, but, um, obviously good that they're getting some of those first team reps. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this, uh, about this draft class, but uh, it's like, Talking about training camp, is is training camp going to be like back to normal? Are there going to be fans? Are the have you heard anything like what's going to happen with with training camp? That's the hope, but I, you know, right now I don't have a full level of confidence with it. The only reason I say that is, you know, as of right now, you know, we saw today, you know, there are four players gone, to, you know, due to COVID protocols. Right now, they're still limiting the amount of reporters that can be at a practice. Um, you know, they're you know, there's still people getting tested within the building, um, you know, so they're still taking things pretty seriously with, with COVID protocol stuff. Now, that being said, I do think, I don't think fans being in the stands of the opposite side on practice really affects the, the practice field or the players on the field in any way, shape or form. Um, it would be more the safety of the fans in the stands. And um, I think, it, you know, it's already been announced they're going to go with full, you know, stands for, for games and things like that. So, I'm hopeful, uh, but nothing's been announced as of yet, and I'm semi-hesitant to, to say it, but I would think that at some point there will be fans. At least that's my hope. Yeah, I, I, I could see them doing fans, but maybe not doing the bike thing because that's yeah. kind of more, you know, Yeah, that's, that's probably a really smart observation. Yeah, because uh, there's obviously a lot more close contact with, with everyone, but the, even though that is one of the funnest parts of, uh, of training camp. But uh, – before I let you go here, I, I got to talk because you made a lot of people say, you know, you're the, the you have the worst food takes in all of Twitter land. And uh, you actually made a good one. I, I was reading some of the replies. So what was it? You, what was the take? I, I forget exactly what it was. Uh, peanut butter M&Ms are the superior candy over Reese's Pieces. So, um, I, yeah, I think that was the first one I ever posted that I got more uh, like for than, you know, severe distaste for. So I had a, I had a small celebration on my first correct, semi-correct food take, I think. So I was I was very happy with it. Yeah, so anybody who watching or listening who doesn't know, you you said you hate Thanksgiving food. All Thanksgiving food is terrible, yeah. yeah All seafood is terrible. Um, let's see, I, I really don't, I mean – I'm, I'm okay with bacon, but it's not like my thing. Um, not really a brat guy. Um, I don't like ham. I don't like, uh, what is the other ones? I don't like any Miracle Whip or mayonnaise. Don't like blue cheese. Don't like sour cream. Don't like ranch. Uh, any of that stuff is all garbage. So, um, yeah, I'm a very picky eater. I eat pretty much like a third grader at best. Dude, the, 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 that's what's fascinating about me because I'm like the kind of the same way. Like, even if like we're at a family function, they're doing a barbecue. Everyone's like, oh, do, do you even like this? Or will you eat this? But let me ask you the, the big question. What about macaroni and cheese? Do you yeah, like yeah. mac and cheese is great, for sure. All right, everyone likes macaroni and cheese. Absolutely. So now we can still be friends because that, that's my favorite food. Because that's what it's like for me. Like Everyone says I eat like a third. I, I could eat macaroni and cheese every day, and many times I do. Yeah, no, mac and cheese. And like, if you get a really good mac and cheese, like obviously anyone can throw together like a craft mac and cheese, but like really good, you know, nice Wisconsin cheddar mac and cheese. Like, yeah, that's like a little breadcrumb action. Yeah. yeah Wisconsin chef kiss right there. There's so many ways to make it so many uh, great ways, but I, I appreciate you taking the time to, and I, I'm exhausted today because I am on vacation. 
little hungover this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Took it an easy day, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Thanks for uh, joining me, and everyone, thanks for uh, for watching live, or if you if, if you're listening on the podcast, check out Packaday Podcast. Uh, Andy Herman is the godfather of Packaday <clears throat> on Cheesehead TV. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.